Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 97th episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today, Jill? Still a little congested. Still a little congested. <laughs> well, so last time we joked about, we started the podcast oh, joking no, about weather talk. And again, it made me, I was, when I listened back to it, I was laughing even more because I said, you know, everyone loves regional weather talk. Not only is it regional weather talk to Cleveland, but it's regional weather talk that people are hearing three days after we record it. <gasps> so it's I know. Even worse. So it doesn't really. But for what it's worth, if we want to keep it. So it, this won't happen every week, but we're in that time of year in Cleveland where we experience every single season of weather in one week. Yep. So today's weather update. You're welcome, everybody. You're hearing this on Monday. This is Friday. Uh, there's like almost a half a foot of snow outside. It's pretty bad. I blame the groundhog. We were all good. Yeah. We were all good on Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. There were like six more weeks of winter. We we're like, what? And it was really nice for four weeks. And then now we have to. Yeah. It's Look, all Punxsutawney Phil's fault. 48 hours ago, it was 65 degrees here in Cleveland. And again, I know none of you care about this, but it, I think it's funny. 48 hours ago, it was 65 degrees, and then we got all the wind in the world, and yep. it was like Winnie the Pooh and the blustery day out there. Yep. And now it's like whatever Winnie the Pooh episode had a bunch of snow. I don't, I don't know. know. The Christmas one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where he goes to the North Pole, like sure, they lose the sure. letter, and they okay, go get I, the letter. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's gross outside. Anyway. Uh, it might still be gross by Monday, so... That's very true. This might still be Yeah, maybe this is relevant. still applicable. Hey, maybe our weather pattern is going to someplace else in the country where someone's listening to this That's podcast. That's entirely true, too. And so now one or two people are truly appreciating this conversation. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, have you read any good books this week or anything? Um, no, I'm sort of in a lull. Oh, that's a bummer. It is a bummer. I finished some books last weekend, and so I'm sort of... Yeah, not really, like, dive in. I haven't really dived into anything. Mm-hmm. I haven't been re-listening to podcasts, so... There you go. Um, I fin- Other podcasts, yeah. not ours. Yeah, we're not that. I mean, we listen back to ours to make sure that things sound okay, but we're not narcissistically being like, oh, man, that thing right. we said. What a moment. Right. Um, I, fin- I finished Norse Mythology last night, yeah. and it's so good. It was. I'm not surprised, and I feel like I don't need to heap praise on Neil Gaiman. I think everyone else probably is. Um, but it was so good that I did the same thing. I had another book that I wanted to start. Actually, we talked about it last week. Um, Celine by mm-hmm. Peter Heller. Um, I started it last night, but I kept just staring at the cover, like, "Open the book." Okay, here we go. Time to start. But I kept thinking about Norse mythology. So yeah, I understand the book lull. I'm in a book lull. And I'm nervous. This is the last like book that I had that I was looking forward to. So I'm really nervous once I finish this that I won't know what to read. Um, um I mean, we yeah. just had a whole conversation. We did about- just have our whole conversation. Um, yeah. So there's like March books, and of course we get advanced copies of books. So yeah, I th- there's some I'm holding out for. Yeah, I'm the same. And I mean, just terrible, but a- I know. And it's this is a very. We're fortunate. It's a very first world problem to be like, oh, I don't know what book to read next. Someone, please someone send me a book. But 
I under, I understand the feeling. So I may have to go back to some of my old classics. Well, not really classic classics, but like my personal old classics. Yeah. Those are usually enough. Like if I read those, mm-hmm. they kind of get me in that reading yeah. habit. You are you're famous for rereading books. So what would what's the like the one that you will reread up next that you haven't reread in a while? Like I know you're, it's yeah. not even that. I have like certain books that whenever I get into a reading lull, I will reread them. Gone with the wind. Not that is not really a good. Well, you said that you would. Like, I do take... reread it. What I mean though, like when I'm in a lull, I need something that's just like quick and easy, and that I know what happens all the time, and that it's just like more about the habit of reading. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like to get into that habit of reading. Uh-huh. So my go-to is. <laughs> Uh, um, Valley of the Dolls, which I've talked about before. On the yeah, show, and also the other Bolin girl. Okay, which the thing with the other Bolin girl though is that oh my god, it is not very historically accurate, like at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I don't know what it is about that book. It's just so I've read that book probably like ten times. Really, I mean, like I just keep rereading it. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me angry sometimes. Yeah. But Right. It usually is enough to if I reread that. And mm-hmm. it's a big book, too. But that and Valley of the Dolls, I just yeah. read them multiple, multiple times. Mm-hmm. I um, I can appreciate that. I will admit. So I have the first two, um, the first two illustrated Harry Potter books mm-hmm. that have come out. And I, I when I'm in a lull, I'll grab one of those and just open up to a random chapter. Um, a, because the, the images are, the pictures are just unbelievable. Sure. Um, but also just because it's Harry Potter, same thing. Like, I'll, I'm like, I can get back into the flow of reading. I know, but I can't just read one of those. I know. That's actually, that's usually my problem is I'll read half. It's like the same thing when you see, like, when I see it, with they have a Harry Potter weekend on, like, ABC Family or Freeform, whatever it's called now. Um, like, I'll just watch 15 minutes of, of The Goblet of Fire. And then all of a sudden, I need to watch all of it. Yeah. Same thing with reading them, I understand. Um, but, yeah. So, all right, we've covered what we've been reading. We covered the the weather that no one will care about or will be applicable to anyone once they hear this. Okay. Um, probably want to know about this episode. Probably want to know about this episode. So I was fortunate enough uh, last weekend, Kwame Alexander was in town doing a book reading at uh, our lo- one of our local libraries. And I knew that he was going to be one of the authors who did not Ha- wasn't going to have us come up on, on stage sure. and come and do a live event. The reason being, if you've ever heard Kwame Alexander speak, he's pretty good. So good, <laughs> so outgoing, and like he he writes poetry. But even when he's not writing poetry, his, there's just like this flow to him. Like you know, some people just have that ability to like rhyme and just yeah. sound very poetic, and that is absolutely how he is. So um, he was in town, and I sat down with him at Cuyahoga County Public Library ahead of time, and and we had a nice chat. Um, He's so tall that is I he really? Yeah, he's like six foot six, six That's foot seven. Tall. Uh-huh. And the um the gentleman that we work with there, Bill, is also pretty tall. Oh, Bill is very tall. Too. So I felt yeah. very tiny when I was standing next to both of them, which was fun. Um, but Kwame is most well known for the crossover, mm-hmm. which was his book that won the Newbery Medal in two thousand and fifteen, I believe, uh, for best. The Newbery has this like very long. It does. It's like the biggest contribution to children's literature that year or something basically it's like the best children's book yes of the year i think it was 2015 um but he's actually written 24 books i didn't know that yeah i didn't realize that either uh so the crossover and booked are two 
that are very well known in the in the YA mm-hmm. area. He recently had a book come out called The Playbook, which is all of these tips and pieces of advice that he got from adults in his life when he was growing up that he didn't really understand, but they were sports themed, and now he's starting to understand them. Like uh, his, I believe he said his dad used to tell him, "If you miss enough free throws in life, it'll come back to haunt you." So it's a basketball term, right. you know, a free shot that you get, and he didn't understand in the terms of life what that meant at the time and now he does so he put those all together and it's really visual and it's really great um but he's he does a ton he has all of these literacy programs all around the world that he helps support and and promote and um yeah he's he's really great it was it's one of those you know i didn't need to try and get him to be outgoing sure that's his natural state is outgoing and wonderful so um yeah if people want to get a hold of us before after during this episode how can they do that joe (laughs) They can email us directly at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Mm-hmm. And we are on Twitter at ProBookNerds. Yes. And if you were to follow us on Twitter, you would see that I actually tweeted this morning about the weather. So you did indeed. <laughs> very that's synergy or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anything else that you'd like people to know about before they listen to this? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, I hope you guys definitely check out all of Kwame Alexander's books from your library. He's a lot of fun i really enjoyed having this conversation so i think you guys will enjoy it as well um that's all enjoy this episode of the professional book nerds podcast Hi everyone, this is Adam Sokol from Team Overdrive, and today I'm fortunate enough to be sitting actually in my own library here in Cuyahoga County Public Library with the incredibly talented New York Times bestselling author and Newbery Medal Award winner, Kwame Alexander. Kwame, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so I want to dive right in. We don't have a ton of time with you, so I want to make sure I get you out in, in the right amount of time. But something I want to start with is something that you actually have on your own website, and you say that poetry can change the world. And that's a thing that I really, really love. It was very inspiring to see. And I know that a lot of people may think of poetry as unapproachable, but you kind of have a, a different mindset. Is that correct? Well, Yes, I have the opposite mindset (laughs) that poetry is completely approachable Mm -hmm. and accessible, you know, when it's authentic, Mm -hmm. you know, when it can, when it's relatable, Mm -hmm. when you're not sort of trying to write poetry just for other poets, Mm -hmm. but when you're writing for people to understand, you know, your take on the world, Mm -hmm. to understand the human condition a little bit better. I think, uh, yeah, so I think poetry has a way of dealing with some very emotionally heavy and powerful things, mm-hmm. but to do it in a really palatable way with a few words, you know, that are carefully placed together with right. some rhythm and mm-hmm. and perhaps some humor, uh-huh. you know, and it, it allows us all to sort of, you know, to dive into into the words and, and what's behind the words. I, I, I've seen it happen with, with young kids and, and with, with big kids, you know, <laughs> and so... And then the bottom line is we all sort of learned how to talk mm-hmm. and and communicate and listen and read with rhythm and rhyme when we were kids right. with Dr. Seuss. I was just going to say, so when I first was, ta- I was thinking about this, so I have to tell you, I'm a huge Dr. Seuss fan. I actually have a Dr. Seuss tattoo on my body. What? Yeah, I have um, I have an old places you'll go on my arm. It says, kid, you'll move mountains. So I'm a huge Seuss fan. Awesome. And I need to tell you, when I was thinking about this, I found myself agreeing with you because I thought back to to the first books that I read as a kid, and it was it was 
it was Lewis Carroll with my parents and it was Dr. Seuss mm-hmm. and Roald Dahl and, and Shel Silverstein. So who are some of the authors that inspired you, even, you know, poetry or non, when you were a young reader? Yeah, it was it was mostly poetry. Um, it was Dr. Seuss. It was Nikki Giovanni. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Shel Silverstein. It was Lee Bennett Hopkins. It was uh, Lucille Clifton. It was mm-hmm. Langston Hughes. Yeah. You know, so my parents read to me a lot of poetry, and I just always found it entertaining and exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, and you could, you could, you could uh, get through a poem in ten lines, mm-hmm. and and understand it and feel good about it, and have and be able to build some confidence. Right. Or I was I was able to get through this particular piece of literature. Mm-hmm. So now let's move on to the next thing, <laughs> and that's what I think. I think poetry can be a bridge, mm-hmm. you know, to allow young people to be able to experience and engage with with literature in a really profound way. Right. And you mentioned your parents. Something that you. You reference in your Newberry Award speech, which, by the way, was incredible. Thank I, was, you. I had chills just watching it. Every single time I watched it, I get chills. But you mentioned them being your first librarians. Yeah. And being that we're sitting in a library, can you maybe expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, learning, reading, it began in the home um, for me and my sisters. My parents' home was surrounded with books. There mm-hmm. were books in the bathroom. There were mm-hmm. books on the floor. There were books on every wall. Right. Like we were immersed in literature. And I think their idea was, you know, we're going to to create a world um, for you where you can imagine anything mm-hmm. for yourself. And right. we're going to do that through um, through the books that are on the shelves, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so you were able to travel, you know, without leaving the house. Right. You were able to sort of see and, uh, and understand other people and other communities without ever maybe even coming into contact with them through the pages in a book. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty powerful. You know, it allows us to be able to connect not only with ourselves and and our our own possibilities, but Mm -hmm. with other people and with, you know, and become more empathetic and become more human. And I just, you know, my parents were, they were the first librarians. They made Mm -hmm. us comfortable um, and knowledgeable um, with and about books. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we went out into the world, you know, we were well read, and and even if we tried to hide it, like I did, <laughs> you know, I figured, right. hey, I don't want to be, my none of my friends were, you know, had books in the house like that, right? So I didn't want to seem uncool, mm-hmm. so I didn't really talk about it that much, yeah. But that, that didn't mean I hadn't read things fall apart, but mm-hmm. three times by the time I was twelve, <laughs> right? So something else that you mentioned, kind of in passing in your speech, was the fact that you had books in your house by African American authors <laughs> and. A lot of the diverse authors that I've spoken with in the past for a podcast, whether they're African-American, they're from a different country, they're gay, lesbian, no matter what their background is, they've actually told me a lot of the reason they became an author was because they couldn't find books that represented them when they were growing up. And they wanted to give people who thought, looked, acted like them a character they could relate to. So, you know, especially in the, in the young in the young adult area, there's such a big movement for, you know, we need diverse books. And so just do you have any thoughts or just a few couple words on the importance of diversity, especially in, in young adult and, and yeah. children as they're growing? I think everybody has their own realities, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think I get it. I understand that being a motivation, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to fill that void mm-hmm. um, because it's so important in terms of developing kids identity. But again, I didn't have that experience. Right. I had books that represented me mm-hmm. everywhere. Right. So much so that it was sickening. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want any more books. I was like, no, stop making me read mm-hmm. Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry Again. Right. I don't want to read the African Writers series from Heinemann. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read uh, John Steptoe. Well, I did love John Steptoe. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, so I grew up reading a lot of 
African-American authors. And mm-hmm. so my motivation was, wow, I want to do that too. Yeah. I want, I want to write a poem like I Too Sing America. Mm-hmm. I want to write a poem like Nikki Giovanni's Ego Trippin'. Right. I want to write a children's book like Lucille Clifton's Everett Anderson. You know, I want to write some lyrical prose like Aie Kwe Armand, a Ghanaian author. So I saw a bunch of books. Mm-hmm. And so I think the issue was and is is that there are not enough, certainly, mm-hmm. but there are a plethora of books in particular written by African-Americans mm-hmm. that have never been sort of giving their, given their marketing due. Right. And so you don't know about them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know about them, then the, I, the notion is they're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot there. Yeah. And so I think with this, the diverse books movement, which is, which is a continuum, you know, I, and I was very fortunate because mm-hmm. my parents were, um, my father was getting his doctorate, mm-hmm. and one of his concentrations was was multicultural children's literature. <laughs> so of course I had everything. So of course you had it. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I I do understand. I'm sort of like you know I'm I'm an I'm not the rule. I'm mm-hmm. sort of the exception. I get it. Right. Um, but I think we've got to do a better job at a marketing the books that are already out there, mm-hmm. and 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 making and, and going to search for those books. Yeah. And B, we've got to do a better job of giving more opportunities mm-hmm. to writers um, of color in, in different communities and backgrounds. Yeah, and I think actually I, I fall into that exception to the proves the rule thing too when it comes to even just kids having books around. I had a, my mother taught uh, third and fourth grade for almost 40 years. So same wow. thing. It was like, even if I didn't want to read books, there was all, <laughs> so I can appreciate com- you know coming home and just they're everywhere. And at some point you're just like, all right, I, maybe yeah. not today. Can but... we have a TV, please? Exactly, yeah. So something else that's a you know a big influence on your music and your in your books is, is music, you right. know, jazz and hip hop and things like that. Right. I was recently listening to a composer, Chili Gonzalez. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you're familiar with him, but mm. um, he was on a podcast and he talks about how music has a story to it, even if there aren't any words behind it. And you can find symphonies and things and you can follow the music and you can kind of understand where the notes are going. And then there's sort of an expectation. Um, with a book, it's kind of obvious you, there is going to be an expectation of there's going to be a finite end. Do you feel that way for poetry that you feel like you need to get the, the reader of one of, your, one of your poems to a specific place? Or do you kind of enjoy just, you know, leaving it off wherever you feel comfortable? I guess when you're starting a poem, mm-hmm. is there an a end that you want to be well-defined at the end of it? I mean, there's an ending, mm-hmm. just in, in the sense that there's also a beginning mm-hmm. and a middle. Um, but there's so many words that aren't there. Right. There's so much white space on the page mm-hmm. that part of that you know, this this amazing um, children's book author, I forget Padma's last name, she lives in Rhode Island, but she calls the white space on the page of poetry, it's a spiritual journey mm-hmm. that the author takes, that the reader takes. I like that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 an end, but it's not complete necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, the reader, it's an interactive sort of experience. Yeah. And so you got to bring your piece to it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you take from it? What do you imagine? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 I would think that... Uh, it's some combination of, of, of an ending and sort of a, a journey that is not quite over. Mm-hmm. And then along those lines with, for your writing process, even when you're writing a novel that, you know, isn't particularly in, in verse per se, you know, say it's not, it's not the crossover that, that has, you know, poetry throughout, your books still have this beautiful flow to them. Do you feel yourself having a different, you know, coming out of a book differently if it's a book of poetry or just a full novel um, or does, you know, it's just kind of the writing for you is the same no matter what style you're choosing to do for that particular story. No, that's completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, writing uh, a story in verse or a novel in verse 
It's it's one of the hardest things I find mm -hmm. um, because you have to a tell a story. Mm -hmm. You have to write a novel, and then um, you have to write a novel that has poems that all stand up individually. Right, and then you have to. Um, the poetry almost has to be primary and secondary at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's very schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know if I figured out how to articulate the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. and my wife tells me sometimes, if you don't know the answer, just say, I don't know, Kwame. <laughs> but Adam, my answer is, I have no idea. That's perfect. That works. That works. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, so drill it down just a little more. A little bit more. When you're writing a poem specifically, uh -huh. do you worry about the structure, you know, a lot of people think of like iambic pentameter, like A B A B, sort mm -hmm. of the doctor, like the Susian rhyming structure. Right, right. Do you concern yourself with that when you're starting a poem, or do you more so worry about what you want the poem to say and then fitting, you know, a rhyming structure into that poem? It sort of all happens together, but all those things you just said are extremely important mm -hmm. in that process of writing that poem. Sure. And depending on what type of poem it is, the form will dictate mm -hmm. whether I need to have X amount of syllables in, in the first and third line or whether I need to repeat a word here or or whether there's only, you know, two lines in a couplet. Mm -hmm. um, so the form will dictate what I need to do from it structurally. But the, the the idea of form and function and 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 idea and story it's all happening simultaneously mm -hmm. at this point, which is twenty four years yeah. into this and and twenty five books mm -hmm. into it. So I guess I've sort of gotten into a zone and a rhythm of my own mm -hmm. um, now. I imagine the editing process is a little bit more. I would imagine I I would I would imagine you being a little bit more hard on yourself when you're writing a poem because you have such less to work with from a, a word structure standpoint. Every word, like you said, every word counts. So every much. word matters and if you know, if you don't have the right arrangement of words, the poem can be lost. Mm -hmm. And and so you've gotta make sure that that poem, you know, you it it uses all the ingredients necessary to make it strong. Mm -hmm. But you're also at the same time making sure it still advances the story along. Yeah. If you're writing a novel in verse. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 double duty and it's fun and it's exciting and it's it's like a puzzle. Mm -hmm. And so I, something else I want to make sure we touch on. I, a lot of authors talk about the importance of expanding literacy, you know, all around the world. But you absolutely put those words into action. Um, you know, you do speaking engagements in schools and conferences, not just in the United States but all around the world. And you you also co-founded the uh, an international professional literacy program called Leap, Leap for Ghana. Would you mind just sharing some experiences, maybe a little bit? of information about that for our, our readers and listeners who might not be aware of what that is. Yeah, Leap for Ghana, L-E-A-P-F-O-R-G-A-N-A dot org, um, is a literacy organization that I started with some friends five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I went to Ghana and and was just struck by the the joy and the ambition and the hope in the eyes of these kids who mm -hmm. I interacted with in a village, in a village school. Right. But their resources were like, you know, nil. Mm-hmm. They had one book in the school. There was no computers. And so I was like, I really want to do something to yeah. be able to match some resources with the hope that's in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Because as we all know, education, it sounds cliche, but it is. It's the key. Right. And so we began to uh, bring books back to the village, um, build a library, which we're still building and hoping to cut the ribbon on in August. Um, train teachers, yeah. hold literacy conferences and train teachers to teach reading and writing. Mm -hmm. Ghana, and in particular, and in West Africa in general, it has a is a big storytelling tradition. Mm -hmm. 
you know, sort of sitting by the fireside. Right. And, and, and that's how many stories were passed down generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Well, if you could believe, like, in these classrooms, there was no storytelling going on. Mm-hmm. So how is that possible? Right. So wanting to make sure that you all remember the power of read-alouds mm-hmm. and stories and how they can, you know, how they can engage young people and how they can empower your, your, your students. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've been doing it for five years, and, and we're taking some teachers and educators over in, in August um, and so, again, leapforghana.org. Love, you know, hopefully your listeners will check it out. Yeah, and if and if listeners want to donate and either their time or funds, they're able to do that at the website as well? Yes, indeed. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, do you have advice for any aspiring writers, especially aspiring poets? I, I know personally I feel that I could be... I, I work on writing, but if I were to write a poem, I'm always kind of... that. Starting that feels even more challenging than like even a short story. So really? For, for, for me personally. Wow. And I don't know if it's because I want, because there's so many less words and I mm-hmm. want to make sure that they all count. Mm-hmm. But for me, I know that I can ramble a little bit, even if it's a short story. I'm like, oh, I'll get to the point eventually and then kind of clean stuff up. So what what advice would you give for an aspiring writer? Read a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, just have fun reading and getting inspired by other writers. Yeah. Um, and try to write something every day, even if it's a line mm-hmm. or or a paragraph, or a, or a stanza. Mm-hmm. Try to write something every day. But most important advice is just to get out and be a part of the world. Mm-hmm. Have something worth writing about. Yeah. You know, in order to do that, you got to sort of live, mm-hmm. and not just on your phone. Yeah, like you got to live <laughs> and meet people. And, Absolutely, and watch the birds mm-hmm. and and watch the world and 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 resist. You know, sort of. Uh, um, you know things that you find mm-hmm. un-American. Yeah, maybe racism. Right. You gotta like live in the world. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then speaking of reading a lot, you have a new book out, the, the playbook. What can people expect when they dive into the playbook for the first time? So the playbook is really um, a way for me to sort of impart some wisdom that I've learned over the years, mm-hmm. particularly as a child with my parents and grandparents who used to sort of give me these wise, witty sayings. Mm-hmm. And I never understood them. Yeah. But I always, I still remember them now. Like my father always said, you can't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But it means a lot. I get it. Right. I wanted to write a book where kids could be able to sort of get some of that, mm-hmm. but do it in a cool way where we use basketball as sort of a metaphor yeah. for life. So if you miss enough of life's free throws, you will pay in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of make that, it yeah. a little double entendre. Yeah. So um, I think you can hopefully get some some self-help, some inspiration, some hope, some tools uh, for young people to be able to take on the world and, and sort of slam dunk every opportunity. Yeah, I love it. And then just one last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from reading your books in general? I hope they're entertained. Mm-hmm. I hope they're... Um, engaged enough where they want to pick up the ne- another book, mm-hmm. maybe another Kwame book, yeah, or any book. That's perfect. And I hope they're empowered. Like, they feel like, okay, you know, I can say yes to life. Like, I actually have a voice, mm-hmm. and I've, I, I'm going to f- try to find it, mm-hmm. and when I find it, I'm going to raise it. That's perfect. Kwame, thank you so much for joining us today. Th- thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.